Those are pertinent questions, probably burning, many of them burning in your mind. But today I hope that we can answer some questions that are significant and important to you. This series that I'm starting today is called Stuff Your Pastor Wants You to Know. And I know that sounds really simplistic, but I literally was seeking the Lord about what to preach next. I tell you, when, when you've got just a few months left, you start thinking pretty seriously about what should I preach. I mean, I have 27 years of messages in. I mean, that's literally thousands of messages. But you come down to the last few and you think, what's really important? And then it hit me. Well, I want to make sure that there's a few things that I want people to know. Uh, not that Brent won't tell you important things to know, but this is my shot, you know? <laughs> and so um, this series does not connect to each other. One will just stand alone and another will be another. And it won't always be, an, uh, there won't, there'll be weeks where we won't do it. We won't do it during Christmas time. So you'll get one now, you'll get some more later. But these are things I want you to know. So today, please take them to heart as, uh, as I sh- say, before I leave, make sure you understand this, okay? This has been, and I, I know this is a theme we come back to all the time, and I probably wear it out some, but boy, has this been some kind of year, huh? Uh, every, the election? If, if, if any one of these things happened in any one year, we'd say, wow, what a year. The election, wow, what a year. The forest fires, wildfires we had here, wow, what a year. COVID-19, wow, what a year. Pastor retiring, wow, finally. (laughs) But this year has held a lot of things. Can I suggest to you that there are still several weeks left and we don't know yet what might be in store? And maybe one of those things that might be in store would be the best news you've ever heard. That could be the, the most fantastic thing possible. What if, before 2020 ends, Jesus comes back? Not just so you can go, finally, we're free from wearing masks. <laughs> but just because that's the goal of our faith is to be with him. What if this year that were to happen? And can I suggest to you that it's just as possible this year as any other year? That we can look forward with a great expectation. And so today, my message titled, Stuff the Pastor Wants You to Know, Jesus is Coming Back. I want you, as I finish my term here, to be able to say, I'm looking forward to the fact that Jesus is coming back. And I want you today to look at the scripture with me, first of all, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, to know that 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 return is assured by God. God has promised it. It's not a maybe. It's an assurity. Paul wrote to the church to echo that assurance in their hearts and minds, and I want you to hear it as well. He said, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that... We who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
and so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. I want you to look at that last sentence. We are to go around encouraging each other with the fact that Jesus is coming back. When, when things don't go your way, when you say, well, yet another lockdown, but you can always respond, yeah, but Jesus is coming back. Oh, you know, uh, the economy's bad. Yeah, but Jesus is coming back. We can always be, we have that assurance that the ultimate end, the final solution for all of our lives is that Jesus is coming back. Today I want to share with you the picture that God gives us in the Bible of that return, a beautiful story from the Bible that helps us understand the relationship of Now, to understand that, I'm just going to give you a little historical background about how Jewish weddings worked in the first century. They are not like ours. And they're not like you may imagine, because I think we have the thought, at least I have had the thought, that other cultures, so I've got to get this chair at an angle that works. There we go. Other cultures, I've always thought, kind of had arranged wedding things where uh, uh, parents would get together and they would just say, you know, my kid, your kid, what do you say? Good, shake hands, you know, that's it. <laughs> As a parent, you, you just think, that's awesome, you know. But uh, that's not the way it worked in the Jewish society. Let me tell you the story because it actually is an eight-step thing that happened when a Jewish couple wanted to get married. Now, the, the beautiful thing here is, is that actually this was initiated by the groom, not the parents. The groom would find a young woman that he felt like would be a great mate for him. Maybe they knew each other at, at synagogue. Maybe he saw her around town. Maybe they, you know, snuck a few little conversations, went to the drive-in. I don't know, but uh, they... This groom decides, that is the woman for me. So what was his steps? What did he do? He would go and propose. He didn't ask her out for a date. He didn't find her on Tinder. He, uh, he, he, he just went and proposed. We would consider it to be very bold today, but that was their way they did it. He went and proposed, but here's something awkward. He took his dad with him. So he would, he would take his dad, and, and, then, and they would actually go meet the, the girl and her parents. The whole, you know, the whole group comes together, and they all sit back, and they watch. What's the groom got to say? And he says to her, I would like you to become my wife. I've, I, I find you to be ravishing. I find you to be wonderful. I think you're Proverbs, you know, woman. I think you're, you're just what I've got in mind. He would tell her of his attraction for her, his love, and why he wanted to marry her. And he would not only say, would you marry me? But then he would say, I have a covenant to propose. Covenant is like a contract, but different. It's more, it's more personal. I have a covenant to propose. And in this covenant, he would tell her what she could expect out of him as a husband what he would want from her as a wife, what they would try to build together as a family. He would present a covenant to her. And at the end of that presentation, his proposal, he would say, do you accept? And the way he would say that is that he would give her a cup of wine. After he'd laid out the covenant, he would hand to her a cup. He would say, would you take this cup from me? 
And if she took that cup of wine and she drinks out of it, she just said yes. You better know what you're saying when you take a drink. So she, she takes the cup. I think we're to the next point here. She takes the cup and she says yes. And, the, and that, that signifies, the cup signifies two things. For the groom, it signifies his willingness to sacrifice for her. He says, I will lay down my life for you. I'm going to sacrifice for you. For her, it seals the decision that she receives the proposal and says yes. But the deal's not over yet because there is a price to be paid. There is a dowry that is involved. The groom is required to pay to her family a dowry. And this price is to be high. This is not a time to seek a bargain. This is a time to be lavish. This is a time to give an expensive gift. And so the the groom gives everything he possibly can. He's been saving. He gives up everything in order to give an expensive gift. He sets the price high in order to set value in, in her mind and in the community's mind. So he put a high price on this woman to show his commitment and love to her. This is a romantic moment. This is a great time. He's, they've, they've shared the cup. He said, he said he's willing to pay this great price for her. And then of all things, he says, and now, since you've said yes and you've accepted the price, I'm going to go away. You won't see me anymore for a year or more. The groom departs. He makes a promise to her, though. He speaks to her tenderly not to worry that he is going to come back and get her. He's not going to leave her at the altar, Okay. He's going to come back and get her. And then what he was going to do was, is he's going to go home to his father's house. And his father is going to give him some specifications for a bridal chamber at the house. And he says, son, I want you to take the time to build this. It's going to be built right. It's going to, I'm going to inspect it. It's going to be built according to my plans for you. And when you are finished with it, then you can return, get your bride and get married. This will take a year or more. The bride takes this time to prepare herself for the wedding. She doesn't just go home and just go back to the way it was. She now is living for the wedding. She's living for the groom. She's set apart for him. Nobody else can come into her life. There can be no competition for her affection. This is the exact same time that Mary and Joseph ran into problems because during this time of their relationship, Mary got pregnant. And this is why it was so upsetting to Joseph. You were, be- you were betrothed to me. You were, you, were, you were my intended. I was getting a place for you. This is why it was such a difficult time, why he was going to, out of respect for her, he was going to divorce her quietly, but God intervened and he didn't. And so during this time... This woman is preparing herself. She's preparing for the reunion. She's looking forward to it. She thinks every day about this wonderful, handsome, loving groom who's come into her life. She's preparing her household goods. She's preparing her, her, her clothing. She's preparing her wedding dress. She's getting her friends together in order to participate with her. And she has a wedding party of people that are involved. So this year goes by. And nobody knows when the groom is returning, not even the groom. 
Because, you see, it's his dad who's in control. I would say all fathers of women may say, yes, we're so glad that we can have some control. (laughs) He was still in control. He would, at his discretion, go to his son some evening around bedtime and say, son, now it's time to go get your bride. I don't know what would determine when the father would say that was right, but he would, when the, when the bridal chamber was ready, when everything was ready, he would say, go get your bride. This would be a surprise to everyone, a surprise to the groom, a surprise to his friends, a surprise to the, to the bride. Now, as soon as the groom hears those words, he gathers his companions. He gets everybody together. He says, this is it. It's my wedding night. And they begin to shout. It's like, it, it, it's like it's the greatest moment for this young man and for his friends. And they begin to shout. One of them brings a shofar, a big horn. You've seen them, pictures of him made out of a ram's horn. It's all twisted. And he begins to blow that horn. And others come. And they, and they begin, they, they light their, their torches. And they begin to march through the city. I imagine they're singing songs and they're congratulating the groom and they're blowing the horn. They're marching to the bride's house. And off in the distance, the bride hears that sound. And she says, that's my groom. And so she rouses her friends. They've been actually staying with her during this year. And she says, it's time. My bridegroom's coming. And she, and she gets them all together. And so they hear the shouting and the trumpets and everything, and the bridegroom comes, he knocks at the door, they open the door, and she goes out with her friends, and she is taken to the groom's, to the groom's father's house on a special chair. They, they've, they've brought with them a chair that's on poles. They set her in the chair. Sometimes they'd set the groom with her, and they put them up on their shoulders, and they take them through the city in a victorious march through the city on the way back to get married. Today, Jewish weddings still celebrate this particular part of the wedding. They'll, in the middle of the wedding, they'll hoist the bride and the groom up onto chairs and dance them around the wedding venue. I happen to think that Jewish weddings look a lot more fun than Christian weddings. I think we ought to start that. Next wedding I go to, I'm going to just grab some chairs and say, what do you say? So... This is an incredible, joyous time. They're, they're born up in the air and taken to the wedding, which is at the father's house. When they get to the father's house, there is a brief ceremony. Where we make the ceremony the central thing, the ceremony is brief in a Jewish wedding. And then the couple enters this bridal chamber that the young man has been preparing for well over a year. And they stay in that bridal chamber honeymooning for seven days. Meanwhile, everybody in the house is having a party. They're, they're all, this is maybe why dad waited so long. He's got to get everything together. You know, he's got to get, he's, he's got to go down to Costco, get all that stuff he can heat up. And so he's, he's feeding all these people. He's taking care of these folks. And for seven days, they are locked away in the wedding chamber at the, at the evening of the seventh day. They emerge from the wedding chamber to the cheers of their friends. Everybody celebrates. Everybody is whooping it up. They are thrilled to death for this happy new couple. And they immediately begun, begin the main feast, which is called the marriage supper. This is what Jesus attended at the wedding of Canaan and Galilee. 
when they ran out of wine and, uh, and he had to rescue the day. There is a marriage supper that can also go on for days. If you say yes to a wedding invitation, you're going to be spending days doing this. So finally, at the end of this tremendous feast, the couple departs the father's house to go to the house that this young man has built over the years for his bride, and they go and they start their home there, and everyone says to them, it's like the end of a Hallmark movie, they say, may you be happy forever and ever, and they go to spend their lives together forever. What a great scene. Does that sound fun? Sounds amazing. But this is full of spiritual truth about who we are in Christ, about where we are right now, and what is coming into our lives when Jesus returns. Let's look at these things quickly. First of all, the covenant. God sent his son to earth to establish a covenant with us. He made us an offer. He made us an offer, and he says this offer comes with a covenant. And this covenant is, the, is found in Hebrews chapter 9, where the scripture says, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So just as the bridegroom made a covenant with this bride, Jesus makes a covenant with you and I. He says, I would, I would make you an offer, an offer of spiritual marriage. Will you say yes? And just like the bride has the opportunity to say yes or no, every person who hears the gospel has an opportunity to say yes or no to God's offer of salvation. The Bible says that to all who believed him and received him or accepted him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. There's an acceptance that comes with it. And when we say yes to him, we receive the cup from him, the cup. When Jesus met with his disciples on the night he was betrayed, he offered them a cup. They understood the significance more than you and I do with not knowing this story. Now you know the story, and now you can see that when, the cup, when he said, this is the cup of a new covenant, they're going, this sounds like a marriage proposal, because exactly what a marriage proposal was. And he said, I want you all to drink of it. And in Luke 22, 22, 20, Jesus said this. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I am willing to sacrifice for you, for you to enter into this relationship with me. If you say yes to me, I will sacrifice myself for you. The next time we participate in communion, think of that. You are again saying, yes, Jesus, I am your bride. I am yours. The cup is so significant, but it also talks of the price. Because the groom paid a high price. He didn't seek a bargain in a, in a bride. He paid the highest price he could. And Jesus paid a price for us. He paid that price on the cross. And the scriptures tell us that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. When that bride said yes to the groom, she was no longer her own. She now belonged to the groom, not as a slave, but in love. You now belong to the groom. You belong to him. And Jesus 
then of all things here he is saying uh you're mine uh, you know we're together and then he says this thing to the disciples they found so distressing he says and now i'm going away but he left them with comforting words in acts 11 or chapter 1 verse 11 the scripture says this the same jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven the disciples felt sorrow at jesus leaving them to go into heaven but the angel said but he's coming back for you jesus made it even more clear in john 14 he said in my father's house are many rooms i am going to prepare excuse me are many rooms if it were not so i would have told you i am going there to prepare a place for you a wedding chamber he was referring to the very well-known thing that they understood i'm going to go prepare a wedding chamber for us in my father's house and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where i am that's the same words that the groom would say to the to his bride i'm going away i'm preparing us a wedding chamber when the father says it's time i'm coming back for you jesus is coming back for us he didn't leave us here to slog it out on our own he's coming back for us he hasn't forgotten us he's building something wonderful for us so as the bride how do we spend our time do we go home and just live the way we used to live now that we've accepted the cup we've said yes to the covenant we live in a different way we are not our own we belong to the groom we live our life in dedication to him we live our life uh, with expectation for being with him we live our lives preparing for the day that we are with him face to face that bride thinks of him every day she tells her friends about him this is the greatest guy he's strong he's powerful he's handsome he's generous she's telling all of his good good attributes to others we are doing the same we are thinking of our savior we are telling others about him we are we are inviting them to be a part of our wedding celebration we are living our lives differently because we said yes to the cup our lives are now set apart paul had a concern over the church in corinthians that they were not living that way and he wrote them he says i am jealous for you with a godly jealousy i promised you to one husband to christ so that i might present you as a pure virgin to him he was concerned that they would keep their focus where it belonged And as I said, we are preparing ourselves for his return. He's coming back maybe this year, maybe today. Revelation says, with that in mind, let us rejoice and be glad and give him the glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and her bride, and the bride has made herself ready. The bride makes herself ready. She's just not ready the day she received the cup. She's making herself ready. Oh, friend, are you making yourself ready for Jesus to come back? Are you prepared? Are you looking forward to the day that he returns? You're making yourself ready for him. We live in that time right now. If you were to draw a continuum of where we are, we live in that time waiting for his return, making ourselves ready. And the groom does return. He will return. The time of that return is solely up to the Father. 
Jesus said that only the Father knows that time. In Mark 13, he said, No one knows, however, when that day or hour will come, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, only the Father knows. Be on watch, be alert, for you do not know when that time will come. Only God knows. It's going to be a surprise. It'll be a surprise for you. It'll be a surprise for everybody. Paul said, you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. And in Revelation, Jesus said, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are waiting for me, who keep their robes in readiness, who will not need to walk naked and ashamed. Jesus is coming back. Now, when he receives the word from the Father, when Jesus receives the word, he will bring his companions with him. He will bring the hosts of heaven. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, which we read earlier, the Bible says the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. All of those things will happen. There will be a commotion in heaven when he gets the word and he says, now it's time for us to go. The hosts of heaven will rise up with him. Gabriel will raise the trumpet. The shout will go out. The sound will go forward. And the bride will be carried away with the Lord, not on chairs, but in the air. We'll be caught up and meet him in the clouds. Wow. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 that we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And I love this phrase, and so we will be with the Lord forever. We'll be with the Lord forever. Now we get to the Father's house in heaven. Jesus has been preparing a place for us. He's prepared a bridal chamber, a special place for us. And the seven days that the bride and groom spent in the bridal chamber is prophetic of the seven days of revelation that we the seven days of daniel that he says there's a seven day period that's coming out of the weeks that he prophesied he said the the last seven are seven years of tribulation we will be sheltered with christ in heaven during those seven years of tribulation as god pours out wrath upon the earth as god pours out his wrath upon the antichrist as god pours his wrath out on the devil we will be safe with god we'll be safe with jesus in the place he's prepared for us At the end of that tribulation period we will emerge with our savior and there will be great celebration in heaven. You want to read about it? Read the final chapters of the book of Revelation. All heaven breaks, for, breaks forth in tremendous celebration. And a feast is held. Often we hear about the marriage feast of the Lamb, the wedding feast of the Lamb. This is it. Revelation 19. Read along with me. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude. Remember I told you there'd be shouting in heaven when the bride comes out with the bridegroom? He says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! For the Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. That's what they're shouting about. The church has been joined to the Savior. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write, 
Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these things are the true words of God. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a hope or a wish. These are the true words of God. You and I will be with the Lord forever. We're going to be joined with him. But there's one more thing. We will get to spend eternity in our forever home with our Savior. Just as the young groom had prepared a home for his bride, Jesus has prepared a forever home for us. Revelation chapter 21, read it. Listen to what he says. One of the seven angels said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. A forever home for us to be with our Savior. He goes on to describe it in verse 23. He says, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. No, on, on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's you and me, folks. But that last sentence is so important. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? The Lamb is Christ. He has a book. He has written the name of everyone who has come to receive him as Savior, everyone who has taken the cup, everyone who has said yes to that proposal and is in that new covenant. Is your name in that book? Being ready is so important. We live in a world where people are ready for all kinds of things. People prepare for all kinds of disasters. They store up water, food, guns, ammunition, money, gold, silver. We prepare for all kinds of things. But have you prepared for eternity? Have you prepared for the fact that Jesus is coming back and that we need to be ready for his return? Jesus told a parable that fits right into the story I just told you in Matthew 25. He says, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in their jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. That's familiar. The bridegroom is a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, go out and meet him. All the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, 
They said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day nor the hour. Kids, I want you to stay in the back until I'm through. Team, keep the kids back there until I'm through. This is a very important moment in the service. Keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. You don't know when Jesus is coming back. You can't time it and hope that you're somehow going to slide by. You're going you're gonna to figure it out at the last minute and get right at the last moment. No, you need to be right and ready today. Do you know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you know? I want you to bow your heads with me today. I want you to close your eyes because I'm going to ask you a vital question. If Jesus were to come tonight, if that trumpet were to sound, and if the shout went up, the bridegroom is here, do you know that you're ready? Do you know that you're saved? Have you been living a life that says, I'm preparing for his return? Or did you sometime in the past take the cup, drink out of it, but then live your own way? But do you really feel that's an expectation that you want to have in your life? Are you living with the understanding that he could come today and you're ready to go? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm going to pray with you a simple prayer that just simply invites Christ to come into your life or to re-enter into a covenant relationship with you that you may have been abusing and forgetting and to be ready for his return. And I want to tell you with the assurance of everything it says in God's word that when you say yes to him and you mean it by faith and you mean it with your heart, he will receive you. To all who received him, to to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe in his name. So everyone, I want you to pray this out loud with me. Pray it loudly and pray it boldly. Everyone, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I am looking forward to your return, but I'm not ready. Please come into my heart and forgive my sins. Forgive my selfishness, my disobedience, my self-centeredness. I ask you to cleanse me, change me, put me on a new path. And from this day forward, I will live looking forward to seeing you. I love you. I look forward to your return. Amen. With your head still bowed and your eyes closed, how many people today, in one form or another, that prayer was for you. Either you're receiving Christ, you're coming back to where you should be. If that's you, would you hold your hand up right now? I just want to see who you are. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. I see your hands. Thank you. You can put them down. Those of you at home today, I know I couldn't see your hands, but I can see your response, a connection slip. Would you go to nlcchurch.com slash connect even if you got to fill out another connection slip and just say pastor todd here's what i did today tell me in your own words what you did today god is going to change the direction of your life you're going to be in forever with him in heaven today before we have water baptism i want you to stand with me and receive a word from the lord and then we're going to be seated for water baptism but i want you to stand with me today because i want to share with you an encouraging word from the scripture about the return of jesus 
Peter wrote to a church of people who were concerned and wondering where they were. And here's what he said. He said, you've got to understand it in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. I want you to know, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, no, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. So what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to be holy and godly as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. In keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Can you lift your hands and just say, here I am, Lord Jesus. I want you to say with me this, even so, come, Lord Jesus. One more time, even so, come, Lord Jesus. One more time, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Let's call it to him. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to baptize some folks. We've got the kids from Children's Church coming in. They're going to come and find a place. We're going to baptize some people. So if if you'd like to stay, this will just take us a few minutes. We're going to rejoice with some families today of what God is doing, doing in their lives. God bless you.
baptized uh, the Mario and Riley and their son, their, their uh, son, their dad. I'm going to just slow down for a second. Their dad, Joe, is going to be able, the one baptizing them and ask Tony to come help in that process as well. So um, what we're going to do is if, if anyone is going to be being baptized this morning, wanted to share something just like why the Lord, why they're doing this now, I'm going to give them an opportunity to do that. But um, I think the kids, we're going to pass on doing that. So we're just going to have, uh, have a, we're just going to go for it. So who's first? Riley, all right. Donnie, Donnie, Donnie. Interview everybody. All right. Hey, hold up. Hold up. Just a sec. Sorry. My bad. I'm goofing this up. So we're going to just quickly um, give people a chance just to kind of share their heart of why the Lord is, uh, um, why they're saying yes to this right now. So I want to give you a chance. Casey, did you want to share anything about what Jesus is doing? And uh, yeah, he's actually helped me a lot out in life and kept me safe and sound and helped watch over my family and uh, just helped me through a lot of rough times. That's good. That's awesome. awesome. All right. This is Andrea. Andrea, you want to share? Cry. <laughs> um, I just wanted to, I started attending New Life with a friend, but I really felt the Holy Spirit telling me that it's a new life for my kids and I. I have been blessed to make friends and excited to see my relationship grow in the Lord. I've attended church my whole life, but never knew the right time to be baptized. Why not in the middle of a pandemic? <laughs> I have prayed a lot and have been prayed over, and I remain faithful that no matter what hardships in my life is thrown at me, that truly is humbling experience and has brought me closer to putting God 100% in my life. Amen. Yeah. Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yes. Now we will start the <laughs> baptism. All right. All right. So let's just go for it, guys. Do your glory. 
mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old made new. Jesus, when I met you, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness, into your glorious day, you called my you new life church have a wonderful blessed week go in his favor go in his blessing we'll see you